Welcome listeners to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to, you can go to a bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail. Dot com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On time for an awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, our guest this evening is going to give us an update, spend a little time with us, activist, organizer, and C-O-F, CFO I'm sorry, of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. Mississippi on the move, Brother Patrick Alexander is joining us this evening. 
get some updates on some of the uh, previous stories. We had been talking about Emmett Till and some of the other things. Uh, it'll be good to have Brother Patrick join us. The, the program started uh, Thursday, if that some of the listeners didn't hear. Great program started on Thursday night. Uh, was their inaugural broadcast that came on at uh, 8 o'clock. And it'll be on airing this Thursday at the same time. So we'll get updates from uh, Brother Patrick, who had uh, been joining us uh, early in the program. And we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked, suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors, or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. 
History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. Everything's moving along. Um, um, I want to um, congratulate uh, Brother Patrick for becoming a part of the Time for Awakening uh, communication outlet, information distributor, and uh, a part of this upliftment. So I'll be glad to, you know, get an uh, update on what's going on in Mississippi as it relates to um, um, Brother Till. Till. Yeah, you know, um, you know, before we uh, bring uh, Brother Patrick on, and uh, for the listening or listeners who just tuned in, uh, we're going to get an update from activist, organizer, and CFO of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi. Brother Patrick Lumumba is joining us. Mississippi on the Move is uh, one of the arms of the organization. And let me read this for our listening audience, Richard. It was a statement uh, from the uh, uh, Till, uh, Emmett Till and Mamie Till Institute. Emmett Till's family released a statement here on the grand jury declining to charge uh, Carolyn Bryant. Uh, Let me read this here. Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr., Emmett Till's cousin and best friend, and the last living witness to Till's abduction in 1955, released released the following statement after a grand jury in Mississippi declined to charge Carolyn Bryant Dunham for her role in the 1955 lynching. The state of Mississippi assured me and my family that they would leave no stone unturned in the fight for justice for my cousin, Emmett. Uh, Hold on one second, I'm sorry. Uh, For my cousin Emmett, they kept their promise by bringing the latest piece of evidence before the grand jury. This outcome is unfortunate, but predictable. The prosecutor tried his best, and we appreciate his efforts, but he alone cannot undo hundreds of years of anti-black systems that guarantee those who killed Emmett would go unpunished to this day. The fact remains that people who abducted, tortured, and murdered Emmett did so in plain sight, and our American justice system was and continues to be set up in such a way that they could not be brought to justice for their heinous crimes. No family should ever have to endure this pain for this long. Going forward, we must keep the details 
the memory of the brutal murder of Emmett Till and the courage of Mamie Mobley alive so that we can reduce racial violence, improve our justice system, and treat each other with dignity and respect with which uh, Miss Mobley graced us all. Reverend Parker has cooperated with the government investigation at various stages between 2004 and 2006, and then again in 2017, the grand jury was brought together to consider whether probable cause existed to indict Dunham. Uh, let's bring uh, Brother Patrick on with us to uh, kind of go further into this. Brother Patrick, how are you, sir? Brother Patrick. I'm well, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard. I'm, I'm, I'm well, and I'm glad to be on again this Sunday with you, brother. Uh, brother Patrick, before we um, kind of get started on some things, he, um, I don't know whether uh, Brother Charles Motley, uh, the president of the Sunflower, Sunflower County NAACP, is with us. Um, I see a number up here, and maybe he is. Yes, uh, this is Charles Motley. Okay. How are you, sir? Uh, everything good. You? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you on time for an awakening with myself and Brother Richard. Okay. Uh, brother, brother Alexander, let me let me start first with you, and then I'm going to transition over to, uh, to Brother Motley. Um, the grand jury's decision not to indict uh, Carolyn Dunham, on kidnapping and uh, murder charge um, after yourself and, and other activists was out there fighting to get the, to bring justice to, uh, for Emmett Till and his family and to black people in general. Uh, talk about this before I transition over and get more details from Brother Motley. No, no doubt, uh, Brother Elliot. You know, once once again, um, Brother Elliot, we have been compromised by, you know, the American political system. You know, uh, regardless of who is at the helm of it, you know, right now, uh, I'm talking about from the staunchest white supremacist to the capitulated black leadership, uh, we have been uh, victimized again. You by, by that system. So, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll go into more detail, you know, throughout the show, but just speaking, you know, directly to that issue of not indicting Carolyn Bryant, you know, um, it's a, it's a travesty again. And, and at some point, you know, the collective of our people got to understand, you know, from a grassroots fundamental hu- hu- humanity standpoint, that we have to respond, you know, to these uh, this, this this atrocity and these uh, uh, political fumbles that take place, and we don't. I don't even think we recognize the degree of our humanity that's uh, being just absolutely uh, disrespected, you know. So, you know that that particular uh, incident that where well, that particular thing that took place in Greenwood, you know, under the guise. You know, we were out there, you know, uh, for weeks uh, demonstrating, you know, uh, asking to be spoken to in a respectful manner by black leadership. 
that's supposed to be dealing with this issue that we elected, you know, in a 73% black county. And for this thing that actually happened under a guy, you know, it's an absolute disrespect to the sentiment that was uh, exemplified by the people through us on those grounds. And it speaks to a lot of things that we need to talk to, you know, this particular program. So, yes, it was a travesty of justice. Um, you, you know, because you were on the program before speaking about this, and you demanded uh, a hearing in reference to the letter that was found and the charges that was supposed to be lodged but never was. And the initial reports and published reports that we were reading up here in Philadelphia uh, was that initially uh, they said that the statute of limitations had ran out. Uh, but if you look at Mississippi law, which I know that you men are familiar with, there is no statute of limitations on murder uh, rape and and uh, a few other uh, felonies. So then the the conversation kind of changed, and the next thing you know, or the next thing we knew up here, they were conducting a grand jury, uh, which was I think it was a surprise to you, brother Patrick, because those are some of the things that you were were uh, were fighting for these things to be heard. Um, let me switch over to. Uh, Brother Motley, because I want him to weigh in. Uh, from what I understand, uh, Brother Patrick, you told me that Brother Motley met with uh, Dwayne Richardson, the, uh, the the district attorney of, of uh, LaFleur County. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Motley informed me last week that he had an encounter. I, I won't say that it was a formal meeting, but he had an encounter with uh D.A. Dwayne Richardson on the courthouse lawn uh, one evening last week. He had an encounter that's very interesting, uh, what was said, you know, in, in, in that exchange. So I'll let Brother Molly, you know, explain that. It's very interesting. Yeah, hello, everyone. Hope everyone is doing fine. Yeah, uh, I had an opportunity to... Uh, Talked to Dwayne on last Monday. Uh, after coming out the courthouse, he was uh, getting out of his truck, and we had probably a thirty minutes conversation. And one thing that he did bring to my attention was that it was eighteen blacks on a grand jury, secret, secret grand jury, eighteen blacks and four whites. So. Uh, the blacks knew the case of Emmett Till. Very few blacks in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's what I know about the case by Emmett Till. And it shouldn't be trained or educated on Emmett Till. We know how he was murdered. We, we know that Tallahassee River received him back in 1955, 67 years ago. And what he was saying is that, you know, the results was the same. At that particular time, in 1955, I mean, 56, I'm sorry, that uh, it was all-white grand jury. And what makes it so interesting is that we did the same thing the uh, grand jury did, same thing the jury did in 1956, did not acquit. I mean, uh, they acquitted. And uh, a mixed jury versus all-white jury 67 years ago. So 
uh, nothing has changed about that. We're still doing the same thing. Uh, a lot of blacks in this community here in Sunflower County and the Florida County, they are, scared, they are still scared to death Negroes. And, you know, a scared to death Negro will get you killed, man. And that's what they're afraid of now. Afraid of the, afraid of the repercussions from the white community uh, if they had voted to convict uh, uh, Ms. Bryant. So we we have a long way to go here in the state of Mississippi. And, uh, it, you know, people are not really upset about they uh, they was not they did not vote to convict. So uh, I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it. You, you know, that Carol Brian Turner was not uh, convicted uh, last. I mean, two weeks ago. So it's really just some movement. I mean, no one is talking about it. A lot of people think she's too old to go to jail. She's eighty eighty seven or eighty eight. And the last uh, view that was shown to me about her. She was leaning over, you know, humped over, uh, bending over while she's walking. So uh, a lot of blacks feel that, you know, if you just let her go, but Emmett Till lost his life at 14 years old. He didn't have a chance to live a life, and not even to uh, really get into high school or go to a prom or go to college, get married, anything like the racist family because his life was taken away from him at an early age. And, and our people down here in Mississippi, especially, you know, I live in the center of the Mississippi Delta, the most underserved country, um, uh, in, you know, in this nation. So part of, I mean, part of this nation, but we haven't had that spark about uh, Emmett Till in a long time. And I don't know what it's going to take to get our people interested in why she was not convicted uh, a couple of weeks ago. Brother Motley, let me let me ask you a question, uh, because uh-huh. we know that Brother Patrick and uh, uh, the activists that work with him have been pushing on this. So I'm quite sure that right. Dwayne Richardson was familiar with, uh, with Brother Patrick and the other uh, brothers and sisters working with him was doing. Um, right. The NAACP, did he communicate with anybody from the NAACP that he was convening a grand jury? No. No. So he, uh, 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 okay. the, go ahead. I'm the president here in Sunflower County. That's a county over from the Ford County, probably about 30 miles away. And to, to my understanding, there was no communication that, that there was even a grand jury taking place. That's not right, Patrick. That's exactly right. And if you don't mind, Brother Elliot, can I intervene uh, for one second? Yes. Well, what what it is I want to speak to, because uh, he did not convey this to any formal organization or grassroots organization, anybody of any concern, real concern, uh, as to what his uh, notions were and intentions were. He did not uh, relay that to anybody. You know, and, and, and this is the first time I'm actually hearing Brother Motley saying it, but I automatically assume that he did not, uh, Brother Motley being the president of Sunflower County. Uh, so what I'm, what I'm simply saying is that, you know, that's a disservice of black leadership and black representation right there. You know, and, and ain't nobody let uh, Dwayne Richardson off the hook right here. You know, he seemed to be able to reemerge 
after uh, the, the demonstrations that uh, we conducted, he reemerged. All counter excuses were made because we were asking for our leadership, our elected leadership in, in these positions to come out and like human beings. And that never happened. You know, so, uh, and, and, and also another point that I'd like to make, uh, uh, Brother, Brother uh, Elliot, is that those people who convened that grant, that, that, that composed that grand jury, these were not obviously the people of the makeup of the demonstration of the concern. And Brother Motley speaks about the concern. Uh, he used the word interest, you know, interest of our people. And, and, and that's very important. And that's what Mississippi on the Move is about. And, and when we get on these national platforms, what I hate to hear reverberated is the downtrodden mindset of Mississippi. Because we really oppressed all over this country. But when we talk about Mississippi, we talk about this big cloak of, uh, of racism that has created this downtrodden backwoods type retarded mentality that we respond with as black people. And I want to let people know that that's not the whole case here in Mississippi. You know, so that's why it's, it's initiatives like Mississippi on the move, because somebody has recognized, somebody has recognized that it's time for an awakening, just like the title of your show. It's time for awakening right here in Mississippi. And um, it's a leadership that's being crafted in Mississippi. And I'm hoping that brothers like, uh, Mr. Motley, you know, we just convened over here in Tunica, Mississippi, the uh, Congressional right. Black Caucus, and I hope Brother Motley can speak to that, and you can question him on that, because I didn't get a chance to go. But did they talk about Emmett Till, you know, in the situation with Emmett Till? Did they talk about it? You know, when all the black mayors and all the, the NAACP people and all the Congressional Black Caucus of Mississippi, did they talk about the grievances of black people, you know, are we yeah. uh, serious enough about our humanity to bring this to our elected officials is, you know, while they partying and drinking off our money? Are we able, are we ready to do that? So what I'm saying is that the paradigm that you're speaking about, uh, Brother Elliot, paradigm is a state of normalcy. And when we talk about shifting the paradigm, what we simply saying is shifting the normal condition that black people have suffered in for so long. And I'm about the business of getting that done here in Mississippi, getting that done here in Mississippi. So that talk of the downtrodden, it, it goes back into the negative energy that, 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 that does not inspire us. And it does not put us in a mindset to condemn our leadership and remove that leadership and get some leadership with some backbone that has a humanity and that care about the causation of black people. So, you know, that's what we at, Look, you know, with this. We not do with leadership like Dwayne Richards, and he needs to know that. Let me throw this out there before I pass things to Brother Richard. Um, I, 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 I'm not a lawyer and don't know too much about the law, but I do know that a grand jury can be directed uh, by the prosecutor into things that he wants them to look at, and they basically are convened by the prosecutor. Now, let let me read this. 
it's in reference to the Breonna Taylor case, but I think it, 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 it kind of coincides with what you, uh, the brothers are dealing with there, right in the belly of the beast in Mississippi. Let me read this here. Uh, and this was in reference to Daniel Cameron, who was the, uh, district attorney in the, in Kentucky where, uh, they wanted those police officers arrested for murder. It says, uh, let me read this paragraph. It says, following the announcement uh, of uh, the officers not being charged, a member of the grand jury filed a motion seeking, among other things, the release of the transcripts from the proceedings. Jefferson County Circuit Court Judge Ann Bailey Smith granted the motion and released the audio recordings of the proceedings. This prompted uh an assembled team of attorneys to analyze the audio recordings in order to provide insight into any deficiencies in the grand jury process. Our review reveals that the Kentucky attorney general's office presented a biased view of the case that favored law enforcement. Contrary to uh, attorney general Cameron's statement during the September 23rd, 2020 press conference, he did not present charges of homicide or explain the justifications of self-defense. Instead of providing the grand jury with all relevant evidence, the Kentucky Attorney General's office made his own determination as to how the case should be resolved and tailored his presentation to guarantee that outcome. This is a grave injustice. We therefore call for Kentucky Attorney General's office to appoint a special prosecutor to resubmit the case to a new grand jury. This is the question that I have in reference to that and dealing with the Emmett Till case. It mentioned that in this particular case, dealing with Breonna Taylor, that a member of the grand jury filed a motion seeking, among other things, the release of the transcripts. Now, this is a question for you, Brother Motley, and I don't think Brother Patrick knows because we had private conversations. The Grand jury, being the, 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 the grand jury trial or hearing or whatever they can sit, call it is over. Uh, the people that was on this grand jury, the 18 blacks, they know who they are. Now the public don't know. Exactly. Don't they have an obligation? Just as the person here stepped up and asked for the release of the transcripts. Yes. Uh, I think it goes back to what, uh, Patrick you know, and I was talking about a week ago, these are privileged black people in the community where they will be looked upon as traitors to the white man. They go back and identify themselves as being on the grand jury. And, you know, the Greenwood is one of the, it's where the Klansmen, they have a seat at the table probably doing everything that's going on in the Mississippi Delta. That's not the birthplace of the Clansman, but that, that's Clansman County. And these are privileged blacks that don't feel that they are obligated to come back to their community and explain to their community what really happened during the grand jury trial for Emmett Till during that time. And, and they will never be known unless... Uh, unless they step up. Request yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, unless they request who was on the grand jury. 
Okay. All right. Um, Brother Richard, jump in here. I want to pick up on that, um, on Brother Motley. So, yeah. as, um, so the community can request um, the transcripts. Um, right. And, 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 and if I understand, you know, the general, uh, in my mind, the general term of community, um, Brother Patrick and, and Mississippi on the move would be considered a part of the community. Um, would that be, I mean, would they be able to, and we're, we're just talking generally, if it's a technical um, understanding that I definitely don't have and I don't know if you have, right. would right. they be able to request that um, information yeah. about the grand jury? Uh, <clears throat> to me, I mean, I like to say, you know, I really don't know, but it should be public knowledge, but sometimes they would withhold it because of fear for people's lives and people being harmed. And it goes both ways. If we voted for to some they can vote against it. I, I think I, it's... I, I, yes, I, I understand, you know, the, the consequences. And as you laid out, um, you laid out two um, general um, characterizations of the, the, the mind, possible mindset. And, and I hear Brother right. Patrick, um, you know, somewhat kind of challenging. So it may be different mindsets within the um, general population or culture of within Mississippi. And you're laying out, if we just character one, characterize one, um, one, those who have privilege, um, who might feel they have something to lose, who may have been um, sitting in, have been a part of that 18 who were on the grand jury. And then those who are, were, um, actively involved with um, Brother Patrick and other organizers who see um, that, you know, have another view. So we, we I'll, let's recognize that there may, you know, be that. And that's why I'm trying to get clarity. And I understand your point. Technically, we may not know. And therefore, um, Brother Patrick, um, are you aware of whether a uh, citizen of Mississippi or of that county, and you had spoke to us before, it would take um, people from that county to request things because of the political nature. Are you aware, can um, people who are not satisfied or want to be more informed of who was on this grand jury and the kind of discussions that went on, are you aware that that, that transcript could be requested? Well, actually, I, I, I am. You know, I am aware of that, you know, the legal process could take place. And and I think what we're speaking to, you know, uh, uh, is, is the, the, the cloak of fear and the responsibility. And I want to say this to my brother, uh, Mr. Motley. Now, what, 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 what we are talking about here is who, I won't, I won't even say qualified, who will make this request? Uh, to make the move to call for the transcript and, the, and to identify the grand jury. Now, what I would say is that what we are doing on the grassroots level, uh, it would be, you know, uh, people like, you know, Mr. Motley, who's, who's, who's the president of the NAACP, which is a charter, what we consider formal organization, you know, and respected in that manner. You know, you charter and you form. And see, this is what I'm talking about, about changing the DNA of things around here. We got to change the DNA of things around here, like the NAACP. We have to have leaders 
that's willing, just like Brother Motley. See, Brother Motley, it's, 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 it's these formal organizations more so than the grassroots. See, we trying to push the envelope on the electorate, uh, politician, and these respected, chartered organizations to do this. Now, it would be nothing but right for the NAACP to convene on this premise of what, what we're talking about right now, requesting those uh, 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 the identity because we look to protect these people because of the cloak of fear of the Klan and all that. I'm not thinking about right. that. And, and black people right now should not be thinking about that, okay? Most of the things people worry about don't happen no way, okay? So what we're saying, that's not, that's not a barrier anymore. You know, the consequences are too grave for our future to allow there to be a barrier and a sanctuary for the blacks that was on their jury. Because, see, to me, it's just like having, you, we said we had 18 black people and four whites. That's just like having yeah. 22 white people. And just like you said, right. Brother Miles, exactly. you know, this had not changed when, it, when the grand jury was all white, when the jury was all white in the courtroom in, 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 in Sumner. And Tallahassee mm-hmm. County with a with a right. actual court was held. So we have to. I'm talking about change the structure right. of the NAACP mm-hmm. and organize around those former organizations that's chartered and more respected by the state. You know, and and make right. these power moves. So that's that's my response to that, and the, we'll be pushing but, for that. Well, wait, let me right. before, before you respond, um, um, Mr. Motley. I want because um, Brother Patrick brought up the, the direction of my next question. Um, to you, and, and and in the context that I hear both, uh, I hear our discussion, uh, and, and and hear our discussion taking, and 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 Brother Patrick um, raised the point of of the humanity and disrespect, and and you raised the point of even though you know the years that have passed, that it still was a tragedy that happened to Brother uh, Till, and that we should be. Um, conscious as a people un, in our condition. So, you know, so to, to the question I have was in relationship to the NAACP, and you mentioned that you are, you know, an uh, 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 officer in, in Sunflower County. So right. I'm, one, I'm wondering, um, and it's two things because Brother Patrick brought up another meeting that happened, so I wanted to get that in there too. But in relationship, as this was going on, the um, the officers of the NAACP in Sunflower County, Lafar County, and I don't know all the other counties, but say let's just say the surrounding counties, had there been discussion amongst the leadership of, and, and my mind goes to the national too, but because this is a historical national significance, and that's what Brother Elliot is raising. But for those members of the organization um, around in Mississippi, around this area as this was going on, are you were you involved, or were there any discussions from the or at an organizational level about how this is unfolding as it relates to? The um, brother, the the finding, um, the possible charge, um, and the grand jury um, that was assembled. Had y'all been in any kind of discussion around that? Uh, basically speaking, 
Yes. Uh, myself, you know, I was involved with the organization as a whole in the uh, state of Mississippi State Conference of the NAACP. Mm. No, oh, we have so- not been involved directly. The only direct, only uh, directive point of being involved has been yours truly uh, meeting with Patrick and the Black Liberation Movement in uh, Lafour County. Uh, we, we we met in Tunica on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I only went yesterday. But it, it was some talk concerning Emmett Till case, but very little. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, have moved on mm-hmm. from this case, but it's not a lot of interest. And Emmett Till mm-hmm. and I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to be clear because mm-hmm. there's a difference. With Brother Patrick is is um, um, as an activist and uh, organizer around the people, yeah. and you're you're um, a officer in a organizational in an organizational capacity. And I, I look right. at those as two different um, segments of the community, right? Um, right. So I'm going to be clear when I'm in my questioning to you because I think it's important and it kind of relates to what brother Patrick is raising. So I would like the time for time for awakening audience to be clear that there is a difference between people who are representatives of a historically quote unquote black organization, because at the time of this tragedy, um, the NAACP was um, at that generation was actively engaged Right. We, right. We, we were the standing barrier during that time. Yes. What I'm not sure is that when you said um, that there, because I'm assuming there's NAACP branches. Yes, um, sir. County. We have 82 counties and we have 70, 76 branches in 82 counties. And but are, and are, we, are governed, we are governed by the state conference of the NAACP in right. Jackson, 1072 location on the campus of Jackson State University. Right. But, uh, yeah, so... But I'm, what I, I, again, I, won't, I won't push this any harder because I think you, you are answering it. I just want to make sure that we're all clear because right. it speaks to Brother Patrick's positioning and to right. all our positionings when we're talking about, well, what kind of leadership do we need in this time? And there's, there's a lot of other things that are going on that makes this here conversation important. So you're saying in that, that, that conference of these different leaders of these institutions that they, the, the leadership uh-huh. institution really didn't have any kind of conversation around, you know, um, um, one way or another. I'll put it that way as it related to this case and what was unfolding. Is that, would that be a point? No, no, a- they, they, they had a, uh, they have had conversation, but not to not to the point that what Patrick is saying it should have been right, right. all out blitz right. to get this case resolved, and that 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 has not happened. Well, let me ask you. I, I apologize, and and I don't. I just want to you know because my you know uh, uh, the, of the t- my time anyway. Um, there was no official conversation in the sense of in that. That there could be a document of what right. the issue came up. Um, people had discussion, and there was a position taken one way or another. There was no official discussion about it. Right. There was no press conference call. 
Right. Since the documents had came up, the uh, it found up in uh, some. I mean, uh, the Floyd County Courthouse, uh, the state conference of the NAACP really didn't do a whole lot. Right. To uh, to be aggressive, seeking the answers uh, in this case to get her uh, convicted. No, it was not. And and and, and Ellie, if I can ask just one more question, and I wanted to, you know, get clarity on something that Brother um, Patrick raised, um, uh, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, did you say, Brother Patrick, that there was a a, a congressional Black Caucus meeting within Mississippi? Yes. Right on yesterday. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, uh, I did. So, go ahead. I just wanted to get clarity because I think you did mention it, Brother Motley. You answered it when yeah. Brother mm-hmm. Price brought it up. But I just right. want to for clarity because, you know, I, I think, again, we have to understand the communication process. There is official communication. As, as you said with um, the, um, the uh, district attorney, it was kind of an unofficial communication, right? Right. Right. When we and when Brother Patrick and and those of us and uh, all of us who who make our observation of the type of organizational leadership as far as black people right now that they have, um, we 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 um, are looking uh, of hearing official or official communication that represents our interests. So when they had this, are you saying when they came and had this meeting, do you are you aware did they have any official discussion about this case since they were meeting in Mississippi? Um, these different uh, of the Tunica, you, you mean Congressional Black Caucus meeting, right? And Tunica lasted from last Thursday. Yeah, were they were there any official that you're aware of? Discussion? No, no, because uh, I, I, you know, I have the schedule, and it, and it's no uh, like uh, part of. The roundtable discussion that we had, it, it did surface, but it, it was no, it was not a planned <clears throat> session uh, speaking about the MTL case, say, on, say, I'm using for example, say on Friday at 6 o'clock from 6 to 8, discussion of MTL case and what can we do about the MTL case going forward. No, but they did mention it in a roundtable discussion during this past week at the Congressional Black Caucus in uh, Tornica, Mississippi. And, and, and I'll just make this, you know, last comment in relationship to, and I, I identify with um, Brother Patrick in relationship that we can't create a narrative that makes us powerless and hopeless, even if we're in, you know, we have to make a decision, even if we're right. in a position of an environment that is, you know, militaristic um, or um, advantageous. And that might be to some of us. And then we have to make a decision. Well, what are we going to, what's the dividing line in relationship to how do we move if we're going to live here? Because there's no sense in constantly living under fear. It's not even healthy. But I'll make right, this, exactly. point, this point. Um, recently, um, as an example of what of people taking a position in, in relationship to their political and non-political organizations. Uh, DeSantos of, of, of Florida was, is, was coming to Pennsylvania to, to support uh, a governor's race, which um, basically all the report says that this person who's running 
is a true Trumpite and a true, um, uh, uh, what they call it, extremist, right? T- tying to what happened at January 6th. The Jewish community in Florida protested uh, vigorously for DeSantos, DeSantis, whatever is how you say his name, not to go and support this candidate. If I'm not mistaken, and if I'm making myself clear, this is the kind of leadership movement we should have. Organizational effort that I think Brother Patrick, um, Brother Elliot, and, and, and the rest of us think that we need to have when as being representatives of not just a population, but of a people. I don't know if y'all agree with this, but that's the, out of this discussion, that's the parallel that I'm, I'm making that this is what we need. And it's not just in Mississippi, because you heard me just say, um, we're talking about this kind of action is going on in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Thank you. Can I jump in right there? Yes, sir. We need to put a pin right there where uh, Brother Richard just expressed because he is absolutely, positively, without a doubt, on point. That's it. And what what I want to say is that that's the the politicizing around our blackness. Damn Democrat and Republican. We talking about politicizing around our blackness. And so that's what's not getting done. Uh, I want to thank Brother Motley for his candidacy because we need more formal black people to come forward and admit that. He was the only NAACP person out there of status. And that's because he personally cared more than the organization that he represents. He personally cared more than the organization that he represents that has been misrepresenting black people the whole time. Talking about the NAACP. It don't show me on no level, not not just today, but throughout here. But it has actually represented black people on every level with conviction. I'm going to say this too. There's no sense of urgency. In formal organizations, there's no sense of uh, uh, urgency. Uh, these go along to get along, pickle, pickle, black misrepresentatives. So that's what we got. They convene over in, 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 in Tunica, and they over there uh, basically party. These people absolutely have to go. I mean, seriously, it has to be a groundswell understanding. And that's what we're trying to do with the grassroots here in Mississippi. That's why I hate for the sentiment of weakness to uh, echo out whenever we talking nationally. I hate that sentiment of weakness because we have to exemplify strength, just like them Jews that politicize. They, you don't hear them talk about no damn Democrat and Republican. They talking about Jews. Yeah. They talking yep. about Jews. So what we going to do? We going to party our way to oblivion? That's what we going to do? We're going to party our way to oblivion, and I'm going to be the one that stand on the forefront in Mississippi. If I'm empowered, however it is, you know, don't nobody give us no money. You know, we're not government-supported. Uh, we're not even uh, the, the sentiment. I mean, people try to uh, 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 suppress our voice. 
it wasn't no church people was out there, brother uh, Elliot, brother Richard. You know, so these are the odds that we're fighting against, and the, and the white supremacy social constructs continue to dominate. And it ain't just in Mississippi, but I'm talking about Mississippi because it's the epicenter of overt racism that goes unchecked, even by uh, the federal government. It goes unchecked. And I think that's what uh, Dwayne Richardson was telling that grand jury. You know, I don't really know what we could do here. Uh, no, you, you, you carry a sentiment, Dwayne, and you carry a responsibility. You know, and however you look at it, Dwayne, see, these are the things I want to tell this leadership in Mississippi. However you want to look at it, it's people like Emmett Till's life that spark whatever semblance of a movement that we want to revert to, okay? The emotional charge behind that movement was because of the life lost. So at the end of the day, you stand on the shoulders of the life that has been lost, the grievances that have been suffered, the blood, the sweat, and the tears. And at some point, we got to politicize behind that. That's what the Jews have done. They politicize behind their pain and suffering. And these niggas that we got representing us in suits and ties, that's getting escorted to the Cold Strike Casino, the Horseshoe Casino, on our dime, is misrepresenting the future of our children and the humanity of black people. That message has to be put out there clearly. Uh-huh. Listen, but, I, but what 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 do you think they was thinking when they went in there and voted not to convict? Well, what was they thinking? What was their mindset at? Well, I mean, you, they shouldn't have been directed to go nowhere. Because these human beings. I tell you what, Molly. I tell you what, they was on their own individual plight, the rugged individualism that we suffer from. If they mindset was in the right place, you would have seen that segment of the black community out there with us on right. that on that on them grounds out there mm-hmm. you know we were the extremists we didn't have the mainstream of black people and the mainstream of black people have to care about black humanity and what we're doing is making a resounding noise to make you understand or to prick your consciousness you know to prick black consciousness back to understanding that black people mean something we mean something yeah, but so how you do you change your mind to be concerned? Well, you know, one of the ways that we do it is through communication. And talking about this on black media. Now, some of the black media has been co-opted. That's clear. But right. we have to keep the fight alive. We have to expose these people. I'll give an example, and, and Brother Richard and, 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 and Brother Patrick was talking about this. Now, let's look at that Emmett Till anti-lynching bill that was passed. Now, Bobby Rush introduced the bill. He didn't make a statement in reference to what happened down in Mississippi about them refusing to go after this woman. Cory Booker and Tim Scott supported the bill in the Senate that when it passed, you didn't hear a statement from them. They didn't issue a written statement. Benny Thompson is right down there in Mississippi. He didn't say anything. Uh, Kamala Harris was at the NWCP convention in Atlantic city. And she, she tried to take credit because she was in the Senate for this anti lynching bill. 
and credited the right. Democratic Party for doing it. How do you have a bill named after the atrocity that happened to Emmett that when it comes up that some justice can be done for Emmett, you don't say anything? See, our people, we got to stand up. We got the power. We got the power in this country and in certain areas where we can change the dynamic of what's going on. Of LaFleur County, which is 74% black uh, 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 inhabitants, is not different. No, is not much different than a lot of these inner cities that's predominantly black. But we got these do nothing, uh, 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 Uncle Tom, or whatever you want to call them, people in these offices. We got to do something, and we can do something about them. We can do something about them. And we got to make it clear. See, white folks, they automatically think, and this is a story. When our people was on the plantation and you had people get beat, sold, or lynched, they expected you to move on. I'm talking about the other members of the plantation, our family members and others. After that happened, get right back out there in that field. Get in my house and, and draw my bath. They expected you to move on. They didn't want no weeping, no give me some time to get it together. Move on. See, their attitude has not changed towards you. It's black folks to think their attitude has changed. The only thing that's changed is time. It's not 1850 anymore. It's 1922. I mean, excuse me. It's 2022. But their attitude towards you has not changed. The thing is that they have incorporated black folks to adopt that same attitude towards their own people. This is dangerous. We can't allow this. This is a message not only to our brothers and sisters in Mississippi, to all of these people. You got people up here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania that feel the same way. We're not powerless. Well, let, let, let me tell you something. Go ahead, Brother Miley. Tell you a story. Now, uh, I may have heard, but probably not. There were some farmers here in Sunflower County was paying their employees that live here in the city 725 per hour. And they would get farm workers from South Africa and bring them over mm-hmm. here and pay them 12 to 15 bucks an hour. Now, this brother called Ty Pinkney, he's a lawyer for the Mississippi Center for Justice. He called me. He, he said, Motley, can you find me some farm workers that have been mistreated or underpaid? Doing a discriminatory practices of farmers here in the Mississippi Delta. So I went out and got 21 black guys who worked on the farm here, Pitt Farm, right here on 448, going to going north to Shaw, Mississippi. We got 21 guys to meet us one Sunday. But when it came for the rubber to meet the road, only two showed up. And then he had to go back and beg four more to come so they can get paid from his farm for underpaying them for many years. Now they are in a lawsuit where they stand a chance of getting a million dollars apiece. But I'm, I said that to say this. We are mm-hmm. still afraid to do the things that we need to do in order to advance ourselves and our community now. These guys were so afraid that they didn't show up. Now, after they have taken it to court, Congressman Thompson came here, even the Secretary of Labor came here a couple months ago, 
and met at the Mississippi Center for Justice downtown Illinois. This was a national case. You probably be able to go online and find it. But the NAACP brought 21 people's awareness to what was going on on Fifth Farm. Only two showed up. And when the two showed up, they went back and begged the other four to come on, come on board and offer them to get paid for being mistreated on a farm for 20-some years. But, you know, but we are still afraid to get out, especially the challenge in the communities in Mississippi to do something against the oppression of what the white men have brought up on us for years. So that's the mindset of our people yet and still. Now, I was at the Black Caucus. Uh, convening. Congressman Thompson was there, uh, Maxine Waters, James Clyburn. Uh, they, they even now, every year they have a tournament named after James Clyburn. He's a, a representative from North, I mean, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about some things that generally, generally affect our community, USDA, loan forgiveness, black on black crime, black, uh, black gun violence and how we are destroying our community and, and neighborhood throughout the United States of America. We talk about that. But as far as, like, getting into meet-up things, the meet-up things to make sure that we are beaming towards own prosperity in our community, we touched on a little bit, but yet and still, everything rises and falls on leadership. We don't have the leadership in those elected positions. We had mayors there from all over the state. We had state representatives. We had state senators. We had you had it all. Every elected official that was somebody was up at that meeting these past three days. But the thing about it is, when they go back to their communities, are they going back for change? And just like Patrick said earlier, the narrative is: Are you there for yourself? Or are you there to change the community? And that's something we have to still completely prove over and over to ourselves. Who do we elect to these offices to make changes in, in our community? We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, we'll continue the discussion. Uh, if callers want to ask uh, a Brother Motley or Brother Patrick a question or whatever, they can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion uh, where our guest tonight, uh, while we have them, is activist, organizer, uh, and president of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba, also uh, the president of Sunflower County uh, NAACP, Brother Charles Motley. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. 
on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you.
We have a message to the black man. Because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We're just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen. We're the singers and the dancers. And we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Today, remember, you can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we gotta be careful of. We gotta be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest, while uh, they still are on with us, spending some time, is activist organizer and CFO of the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi, Brother Patrick Lumumba. Also joining us in conversation is uh, Brother Charles Motley, the president of the NAACP in Sunflower County uh, of Mississippi. Um, you know, 
I play those clips a lot of times in between when we take commercial breaks. So some of the messages uh, from some of the folks on and some of the messages, uh, some of the people that you hear become ancestors. Some of them aren't, but their messages are clear. That last one I played where uh, um, Mr. Farrakhan talked about the watchmen, uh, they're supposed to be the watchmen of the of our people that we have voted for. We can see that these watchmen have failed us. So what do we do? Do we just sit by and do nothing? Or we do we do something about it? The ball is in our court because these other folks that have put these watchmen in power, these white folks in elected positions that have put these blacks in power did it for a reason. And they're doing it for a reason. The theme of the NWCP convention in Atlantic City a couple of weeks ago, and me and Richard talked about it on the program, the theme of it was building black power. The critical question is, what black power are they talking about? They're not talking about what you hear these men talking about tonight. So what black power are they talking about? That's the key. Are we talking about building a sovereign people so our people can be free and sovereign once again as we were before we came here? Or are we talking about building a colonized people that will basically uh, do the bidding and wishes of the white colonizer? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves, our families, our churches, have these discussions in our places of worship, whether you're Muslim or Christian Hebrew have start having these conversations at the family table. We got to have these conversations because these quote unquote, if you want to term them powers that be in this country, they don't want you talking about these things anymore. That's why these conversations are coming up about CRT and all this other stuff. They don't want you discussing any historic information that they don't approve of. And some of your black elected officials aren't saying anything about it. Let's go back to our guest, uh, Brother Patrick, Brother Motley, and, and, and Richard is along with us. Um, Brother Patrick. Yes, sir. Some of the things that, um, because, I mean, I still want to mix uh, the theme of what we've been talking about in the conversation tonight. But you've been having these town hall meetings uh, throughout Mississippi kind of start awakening our people to the situation that they're in, uh, galvanizing our people to develop young leadership. Because at the same time we're doing this, the quote-unquote powers that be is doing the same thing. They're developing a cadre of young quote-unquote black leaders. Because if we look at it, and I'm, I'm being real, guys like Clyburn, Benny Thompson, uh, 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 Maxine Waters, Bobby Rush, those people are seniors. Right. And this, these whites figure, well, and I listen, I, I don't know. I hope people be around and live a long life, but they want to play a numbers game when they're dealing with black people. They figure these people ain't going to be around much longer. So they got to start developing young black leadership to take their place. They're doing this because they believe and they know 
that black people is that what they figure is a colonized people. So we have to develop their leadership. Now, do we sit back and let this happen? Or do we take the brink a bull by the horn and start developing young black leaders that's going to move our people in the direction that's needed? That's why I, I like what you're doing, Brother Patrick. These things need to be modeled in all of the states around the country. I, I know that Mississippi is kind of unique in their makeup as far as a lot of these counties being predominantly black. But we can do this in other states. If you have an urban area that's predominantly black, start taking control of the politics in those areas. We can do this. Brother Patrick, talk about some of the the latest town hall meetings, uh, uh, some of the things discussed. And and, and Brother Motley, I know that you're involved because uh, you mentioned about, and and I'm not aware of the the counties down there in Mississippi, uh, but you're in the Delta area. And we spoke about the farmers' situation down there, and also Brother Richard brought up uh, on the conversation on this program before about the water situation down there in Lowes County. Jackson, I mean Hines County. Okay, okay. Well, um, I want you to mention some of that, but Brother Patrick, uh, talk about some of the town hall meetings, which stage are they in now, and and some of the response from our communities. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. And, and and before I do that, let me, let, let me just do this because you made some very clear points. And, you know, as I said, and I listened in intermission of the show, I hear those clips that you play and, it, you know, that y'all play too. You know, and those clips are powerful. They're very powerful and they are indicted to us as activists and leaders, you know, of the causation of our people. Uh, I heard the brother said we cannot keep relegating this birth from generation to generation. generation. We cannot keep relegating this burden from generation to generation. He went on to say, quote, that Marcus Garvey was so profound in saying, there is no black man or woman that's above the condition of his people. So it don't matter about Oprah Winfrey. LeBron James and all these the condition of your people is what we have to start to look at and take serious uh, the condition of our people. Francis Chris Well said, said that we should be the most serious people on the planet. We should be the most serious people on the planet. Not only that, you know, there needs to be a full disclosure of the injustice that have been perpetrated on black people. Clear, full disclosure. This necessitates a response. And like Malcolm said, by any means necessary, we're doing ourselves a great injustice and we're doing a very uh, irresponsible disservice to our children's future to allow this to keep running rampant. And I'm going to speak to another thing, Baba Kamal Kareem, he's not on today. But this organization, the Black Liberation Movement, is led by wise counsel. You know, people hear me speak, but I speak from the wise counsel of my elders, and I speak from that of my ancestors. And I want to speak to black people today that are being controlled by white ideology. That's what we're doing. We're going into these spaces where we already control it. 
And it's embarrassing to me to have to respond to brothers on the national level. How did y'all come back with a, a, a not indict uh, a Carolyn Bryant with a 73% black county? I have to speak to that. While you got uh-huh. the politicians that should have to speak to it over here pawing their ass off in Tonka and getting drunk with Maxine Waters and and, 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 and all them dignitaries that that, that uh, we just spoke of. I don't, they names are irrelevant to me, you know. But, yeah, and you also spoke to Brother Elliot because you enlightened me the other day when you said that these people is convening whole conferences talking about building black power. <laughs> and you asked the most obvious question. What kind of black power y'all power. talking about? kind of black power y'all talking about because prior to Mississippi on the move, me and a cadre, a small cadre of black people who seriously care about black people. We started five years ago, the Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit. And I told them then, I said that theme will never change. We might come with some sub theme, but that theme will never change until we build some power. And we can see that we build in power, you know. So I'm speaking to my brother, uh, brother Motley. I'm speaking to anybody that's hearing, you know, under the, the sound of my voice, however far it's going out. It is a serious effort that's taking place in Mississippi. You know, I got a daughter that's two years old. Her future got to be accounted for. It got to be accounted for. We have to take the civic responsibility respond to every area of human activity, battle, and concern, and we losing in every one of them. In every one of them. And we gotta gain some political backbone. Seriously. And, and, and I for one, I for one, command this this fashion, this fashion of, 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 of black people that moving around this aspect. So, brother, brother Richard, the next city that we'll be in I don't even know because it's determined by people who have been inspired along our road. The last city we was in was Columbus, Mississippi, you know, but I'm leaving it up to the people to determine where we're going to go. I heard that they were very interested in entertaining and hosting us in Greenville, Mississippi. Now that's right there on the uh, Mississippi river going into Arkansas, uh, away uh, a few miles away from Greenwood. Uh, that that should be the next city I'm thinking that we'll go into, and we're thinking about going into the very historic township of Mount Bayou, Mississippi, mm-hmm. which was one time depicted as the jewel of the Delta. And, and and right now it stands. You might have twelve churches in that little uh, town, and no economic development among Black people. So that's what we had, brother Elliot, man. And I always want to make you all understand that I'm very thankful. And I'm very grateful for the particular concern and interest that you all are taking in Mississippi because the thing is, and it still remains, I told Brother Wesley Muhammad, National Representative of the Nation of Islam yesterday, Mississippi is a special domino that has to fall. And if brothers like myself and Brother Motley would change the DNA structure of the NAACP, Get off your hands. Stop sitting on your hands. 
going back to church and praying and hoping our problems go away. That's what the NAACP is composed of. I know because I've been around it all my life. Educated Negroes and, and capitulated, indoctrinated Christians. They're scared of white folks. And I said I was going to waste another national conversation playing around and capitulating and not being clear. Scared to death Negroes got to go. And we got to pronounce our humanity. Everybody else do it. Everybody else do it. So we got to get rid of these, uh, these Negroes. And we got to deal with the issue of our humanity. So I'm thinking Greenville, Mississippi would be the next city that we go into. And we're hoping to continue to pick up momentum. We are picking up black people, you know, along the way. That's beginning to traverse and travel with us. You know, reporters that's beginning to pick up on what it is that we're doing. And brothers like y'all, you know, that's, that's taking special interest in what we're doing down here in the epicenter of, of, of white racism. These white people are not ashamed of their racism. They, they, they flaunt it as promotional tools to keep them in power. That's what we're at now. These white people are not hiding their racism. They're using it as campaign uh, mantras. We, we, we sitting here right now with a whole white elected official that basically says she's going to be at the front row of the hanging. Now, if black people mm-hmm. ain't tired and mad about that, there's something wrong with us. Seriously. So, you know, that's what we had, Brother Elliot, Brother Ruth. I appreciate you all for always having us on and taking a particular concern of us, man. And uh, that, that's what we had, Brother. Uh, brother Richard, anything before we... Uh... Uh, let Brother Patrick and, and Brother Motley uh, before they leave us. I only want to say to Brother Motley, I, I really appreciate that um, you, as Brother uh, Patrick said, um, showed out of your own concern uh, interest for the people. And, and I know there's other people around you, um, just like as Brother Patrick mentioned, there's people who are the momentum. And, and as y'all, you know, continued, but I, I, I think it's important to recognize, um, that, but I also think it's important to, for us to, for you to hear as a representative of an organization that has the history and the position that some said has been consistent that, um, as brother Patrick uh, mentioned that at some point as you're thinking about um, succession planning, thinking about strategic vision, thinking about future outcome in relationship to the development of leadership, even in Sunflower County, <coughs> that these kind of things, this kind of discussion, um, and the work that you're doing, um, is a part of a practical process. Um, in order to assist in that changing of the DNA. I'm not speaking to you personally, but I'm just speaking as an organizational representative who obviously recognized the need for the people to be able to um, have, as, you know, as Brother Patrick eloquently said, to recognize what we have to do. So I, I just want to, you know, give you your, your, your honors, your respect for, um, you know, just sharing with us because this was valuable dialogue and information. If, if for me, if not for the um, broader time for awakening audience um, to, to clarify what we're dealing with. Thank you. Hey, Brother Motley, I also want to mention uh, 
Anytime you got more information, anything you ever want to share, uh, you can reach out to us, reach out to us through, through Brother Patrick or whatever and come on the air and let, let our people know what's exactly going on on the ground down there as far as with the NAACP. Okay. I appreciate y'all having me. Y'all have a good night. Thank you, sir. Brother Patrick? Yes, sir. Um, are you, I know you're going to be broadcasting again on Thursday. Um, well, I guess the, I don't know what the program is uh, entitled Mississippi on the Move. I assume I don't know what the, what the title of the program is, but uh, I want the people to be listening. Uh, uh, any subject matter you're going to be going over this Thursday? Well, what we're going to be doing uh, is, is basically basically following following up uh, on the aftermath of this Emmett Till thing and what we have decided to do, you know, as an organized function and a recourse okay. and a response is to uh, galvanize all the social injustice that's taking place, you know, here in the state and to begin to uh, draft a uh, a political agenda. Uh, around that social injustice. Right now, as we speak, Bob Kamal, along with his brother, uh, Kabir Kamal, who is a state representative here in the state, along with some uh, legal people, is, is crafting uh, that uh, reform issue uh, concerning injustice. I don't know if you know or not, but it was just uh, confirmed that, you know, through Rakia Lumumba, who is the daughter of uh, the late Truckway Lamuma, one of the greatest black men of all time, if you ask me. Uh, she uh, announced through her uh, prison reform uh, ministry here in Mississippi uh, that Mississippi has exceeded China uh, and whole country in its mass incarceration rate. Mm. So, oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. That's yes, true. yes, I know it's true. We we ain't gonna do say nothing, uh, brother Molly, and I'm glad you that you confirming that along with me because these are issues that we have to deal with. You know, we got a whole uh, school system that's preparing the commodity for the prison. <laughs> See, these are multi layered problems that we have to deal with as a community. And I'm tired. I'm absolutely tired of us not having real conversation about this. You know, that little black boy that's in detention right now is the same commodity that Mississippi is banking on, continuing that whole process. Mississippi not embarrassed about being the mass incarceration state with just a three and a half million statewide population. They're not mad about that. You got 1.4 to 2 million black people here, uh, wherever that number is at, but you got all of these brothers incarcerated. We got to respond to that. Baba Kamal has passed out numbers that we need to look at. You know, we got 150,000 black people here in Mississippi that cannot vote due to this type of uh, process, these type of process. And we got to understand that 70% of the black population across America, I don't know whether we know this or not, is under the age of 40. 70% of the black population across America is under the age of 40. What does that mean? What does that mean? We've got to create a future, and we got to start entertaining some real uh, uh, dynamics that we're dealing with. So, yes, I'm just trying to announce 
that we are putting together all of the social injustice in a in a formal package. And it don't matter if I deliver it or not. I wish it was somebody from the NAACP with some backbone that'll take this before Congress or, or before whatever. And I'm not begging white folks. We ain't begging white folks. But, we but here down our humanity. We're not begging white folks. See, that's what capitulated Negroes do when they do decide to do something. All the time scratching their head while they ask. You know, we got to have some backbone about this and we need to bring these issues into our churches. You know, with an intent. See, Dwayne Richardson didn't have no intent when he came into that uh, grand jury. His, yes, he did. He had an intent not to indict. He had an intent not to indict. And we got to get rid of that. And we got to know it when we see it coming. When they put their name on the nomination for the position, or whatever that process is, we got to know them when we see them coming. And we got to craft our own leadership. That's why we're building the BYLC. That's what you're speaking to, Brother Elliot. You're talking about the BYLC, the Black Leadership Coalition. Ain't no former black organization in Mississippi thought about the next tier of leadership in Mississippi, but your brother did. But Patrick Lamoon, we thought about it. We said, which one of you black, what, what black generation is going to be uncompromised about our black? Why we keep leaving Mississippi when we predominate? Uh, uh, more predominant black than any other state. Why do we keep leaving? And so we craft an organization and made them understand that you should not leave your home outside of Africa. It's the closest thing we got to it. So that's what we need to be galvanizing around. So that's, that's where we at, uh, Brother Elliot, uh, Brother Richard. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that we made this connection so that we can have these conversations because nobody else in radio is doing what y'all are doing. I done been on more radio shows than this. And nobody is doing it like this. I done been on Carl Nelson. I understand, but they're not doing it like Brother Richard and Brother Elliot. And I'm deeply appreciative that you don't compromise. Y'all don't compromise the humanity of black people. Thank y'all, brother. Brother, looking forward to uh, listening on Thursday. We'll talk. Yes, sir. Brother Motley, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, we'll just transition into some issues. Uh, you can get involved in conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832 in the time we have left. Be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com.
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. I transformed a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one of the tangible transformations I've created for entrepreneurs in various industries around the country. If this isn't what you think of when you think of accounting and business consulting, then get ready to take down this invaluable information. Are you an entrepreneur suffering with a stagnating company? Have headache customer, staff, or vendors? Are you rebounding from a loss and need help achieving your unrealized potential? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? Hi, my name is Nataki Kanban. If you're ready to go beyond advising and coaching and get results, then call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions recommend and implement the best comprehensive sales, administrative, human resources, accounting, and operations to help you grow into your vision for yourself and your company. Again, from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072 or pull us up on your device right now and book your free consultation at www.newbusinesssolutions.com. And just mention you heard this special announcement on Time for an Awakening. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. And so the collision course is set. The desegregation decisions and other type of legislation and Supreme Court decisions depends upon changing the white man's mind. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches uh, us that our own mind has to be changed. We have to change our uh, mind about ourselves. In what way? Well, so he teaches us the importance of moral reformation, uh, a knowledge of self. And uh, 
For instance, the average so-called Negro, he doesn't think that he can uh, go into business and provide jobs for himself. And because of this, he thinks that he can only get a job from the white man, or he can only get clothes from the white man, or he can only get food from the white man. And we who follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are taught that uh, the same thing that the white man has done for himself and his kind, uh, if our people could uh, be uh, wrecked, if, they could, if we could be cured of our slave mentality that was uh, indoctrinated into us during slavery, we would realize that just as the white man can do these things for himself and his kind, we can get together in unity and harmony and do the same thing for ourselves and our kind. not wondering at all about them. What I'm concerned with the suffering and the pain of the masses of black people. No one wants to pay reparations. The Jews received over a hundred billion dollars in reparations and gets four billion annually. A Holocaust museum was set up for them on this soil for over two hundred million dollars and they get two twenty-one million annually just for operating expenses. But the Catholic Church, the Pope, the Jews, the Arabs, white people in general, no one wants to pay reparations to these, the sons and daughters of Africa. So I speak to them. I don't speak. I speak to them. I don't speak to the family of those two Jews. There are too, too many of us for me to speak to them. And one of the reasons why I'm always happy to come to this organization, because you're the only one, you're the only black organization, again, that understands to put race first. Race first. Race first. And I've had some white folks to tell me that I was a flaming militant, a radical, or whatever all of these names were that they called me. And I said that I am very pleased that you've called me a nationalist, because you could have said that I was a member of the NAACP of the Urban League. So I said, I'm very pleased of the names that you have given. But I said that because we put race first, something is wrong with us. But everybody else puts their own first because God blessed the child who has his own. And so I think that race first is very important. And though we meet in a different venue, we're not at the slave theater, we're not at the church, we're now at the Masonic Temple, it really does not matter where we are physically. It matters where we are in our minds. And wherever we meet, as long as we know that we're Africans and as long as we know that we're black people living here in America, we know exactly who we are. You notice you can put an Uncle Tom in any venue in the White House. You can even put him in his. He's going to still be a Tom. You can put him anywhere you want. Well, it's the same thing with us who are strong people. Wherever we are, we're going to be the people that we need to be. encourage let me just say this before our time winds up and that is I want the people in the audience to go back and look at the video clip from Roots it's entitled something like breaking Kunta Kente that scene 
opened with Lauren Green uh, sitting in, who's the plantation master, sitting in his office. And then Fiddler comes in and says, um, uh, we don't want to be too hard on the runaway. Kunta Kente has just run away and been caught. And um, so the time comes for him to get his lashing. And if you look at this scene, it's about nine minutes. And study the scene. Study the role of everybody or bodies that are in this particular clip. And you will find that there is an equivalent role in the political life of our country today, whether it's on the national level or on the local level. There's the black man who actually does the whipping of Kunta Kinte. There's the white man who does the whipping. There's the black man who intervenes with the boss man and tries to save the life of Kunta Kinte. There's Kunta himself, who eventually is forced to admit that his name is Toby. And there's, a, there's dozens of bystanders, black, who are watching. This, this is a very powerful thing. And it's an analogy of exactly what is happening in our community today. Let's give those characters names in our community and call them what they are and then take care of business about that. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening Sunday edition. It's 8.50 here in the city of Philadelphia. Brother Richard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I just had to play that clip there with Cynthia McKinney at the end of it, and she drew a parable of what exactly is going on in our community today. What did she say on a national level and on a local level? She characterized it clear, Richard. And, and I think what the brothers are trying to do, they're trying to reach those dozens that are standing there watching. I like, I like what Brother Patrick said in the sense of hearing and, and I hope for the time for awakening audience understand, um, want these two points and, you know, not to try to be long with it. The effort you have to be in in order to be able to move through these different counties and how in each one, the momentum is like, you know, uh, you know, yes, I, I watched the Westlands when I, the tumbling weed, right. Or they give you the, the, the snow, the little snowball that rolls down the mountain. Eventually it picks up others. 
and it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's, you know, but it does take effort. It ain't going to, it's not going to happen as we say by osmosis. And, um, we have to be supportive, even if it's nothing but being able to communicate and share the information of what's going on. I mean, this is the closest I've seen Mississippi. I probably, you know, when you read newspaper reports or you read, you know, these, um, even, um, scholars, uh, analysis, this is not what you get. The, not just the passion, the sense of the humanity and the challenge, you know, that exists in order to make this thing happen. So when I hear people, even when we're in dialogue and they give up these kind of, uh, what black people don't want to do or what black people ain't doing or, you know, all black people have to do. I, I just, it just, Elliot, it, it turns me off. It makes me upset because the sacrifice of those men and women, those women and men, and make being able to do what um, Brother Patrick and, and Brother Motley are doing is it's not no easy task, and we have to accept that if we're going to if we're going to stay here, and we and unfortunately we're going to have to fight with ourselves. Yeah, because sitting in them seats, they you know they ain't going to just give them up just because they ain't doing it. They're doing like white people. And you look at the early records, white people said, look, it ain't about humanity. It ain't about morality. It's about interest. They said that in developing the Constitution. <laughs> South Carolina, Georgia specifically. And those other southern states can't win along in order to protect their. And what I'm hearing now is just that. And when we, as you said, when white, when black folks are operating like that, they are dangerous. Yes. To black folks. I'm, I apologize for taking so long, but it just, it's, it's something man, just to hear it. Richard, um, I didn't do it this week. Uh, we're going to get, uh, uh, John Boyd to come back on and we've, we've had, uh, 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 other, you know, folks on some of the lawyers or the black farmers, uh, and, and other members of leadership and farmers themselves that have been on to talk about this issue. Uh, you know, it's really kind of funny, Richard, how when they do stuff to basically screw over black folks, they put feelers out there to kind of see how you're responding. Now, Biden went to South Carolina when he was uh, introducing that uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and he had Clyburn standing beside him. I don't know whether you saw that in published reports or on television announcing that bill. And, uh, and then they did a media campaign. I- I'm looking at uh, a report now that was in the Griot, uh, and let me just read a paragraph. In an interview with the Griot, Cecilia Rouse, chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, called the Inflation Reduction Act a historic piece of legislation and emphasized the economic benefits to the black households. So they, they had a media campaign set up. They used this black girl, a black woman, that's in this position in the Democratic Party and in the Biden White House, 
to get out there and basically tell how this bill is helping black people. Uh, it says in a little bit down in the article, the White House fact sheet provided to the GRIO how the Inflation Reduction Act will help black communities. Uh, and, they, you know, they put out a whole fact sheet. They send it to uh, black print media. And then uh, some of the ones behind it went on uh, a black uh, 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 radio. And what they consider, uh, and what I consider, um, black radio that's been co-opted, uh, for lack of a better term. I'll just say it, that that's the way I feel. Uh, that are mouthpieces for the Democratic Party and politicians in general. Um, Schumer, Chuck Schumer went on uh, Joe Madison's show last week and was touting uh, this Inflation Reduction Act, Richard, and how it's going to benefit black folks. And he mentioned about the farmers. I want you, I'm going to play this clip for the listening audience. Listen to what he said and see that this is why I mean, you heard Brother Patrick and Brother Motley talk about what's going on in Mississippi. But this stuff is going on basically all over the country. And they're using black people to kind of put this stuff out there that they're behind. But it's you look and it's a black face standing up there. You, you follow what I'm saying, Richard? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Listen to what he says in reference to that bill. And the host of the program. See, when you bring this, this is. Richard, this is what I'm saying. When you bring people on, at least be educated on the issues that they're talking about. That way they don't get on in, snow job you, and you look like an idiot unless you're doing that intentionally. Listen to what he's told him. And then I'm going to play the clip because after Schumer got on and told him that for a couple of days, he was spouting that same party line. That Cecilia Rouse told black media that this was beneficial to black people. Then a couple of days later, John Boyd called up and on impromptu called up in reference to what Schumer said on it. But I'm playing this for the listening audience. And in case you didn't hear, Richard, this is a clip from Sirius XM and Joe Madison's program. First, you'll hear Chuck Schumer. Talk about how this bill is good for black farmers. Listen to what he said in reference to the language. We read what that uh, thing stated last week for anybody that heard the program. Listen to what Schumer said in relation to that language. <laughs> like like Dr. King said in one of the vignettes we play. Got to get the language right. Listen to what he said in reference to the language. And then listen to John Boyd. I'm going to play both of them. Let me see if I can get them up here so uh, the listening audience can hear it. First, you'll hear uh, uh, Schumer on the Joe uh, Madison program. Let me get uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on, and I appreciate you coming on again. It's good to talk with you. Thank you. But let's talk about being so glad. Uh, Why should we be glad? Uh, about this important historic bill that uh, well, was passed. Yes, Joe. Well, it's something, you know, that people have been asking for for a long time. And it's really going to, it's aimed at helping average folks do better. One of the other questions I, I now I have here, something I, I need your explaining. Uh, 
because John Boyd, as you know, and you uh, and know John Boyd with the black farmers. I do. Uh, very yeah. well. Uh, I'm reading this, it, and let me just read. And it says the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, Section 22008, repeals the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, which provides black, native, and other Joe, farmers of Joe, color. Yeah. What? What? Uh, explain what happened. Okay. What we put in the bill, and this was led by our two African American senators. Cory Booker of New Jersey and Raphael Warnock. We put in $2.2 billion for black farmers. That's going to help them keep their farms. Now, wait a minute. What'd you say, Richard? He threw them under the bus. But th- see, but that's what, listen, didn't I just mention that they're using these black folks as their faces when they're doing this stuff and they're willing participants, Richard? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, now, I, listen, that, that's why I want you to key in on some of the things he's saying and then key in when I play boy in reference to what he said in reference to this gobbledygook. And listen to what he's uh, just. I'm going to keep on playing it. I'm, I'll go back just a little bit. Just listen to the rest of it. It's only about a minute more. Jersey and Raphael Warnock. We put in two points. Hold on. Let me go back. What? what uh, explain what happened. Okay, what we put in the bill, and this was led by our two African-American senators, Cory Booker of New Jersey and Raphael Warnock, we put in $2.2 billion for black farmers. That's going to help them keep their farms. Now, there was in the old bill a, um, a, a proposal that there could be no more foreclosures. There should be a moratorium. I weren't sure that was legal. The administration can probably do that on its own in a good way, and we will hopefully get some of that done. But in the yeah, wait a minute, Richard, hold, hold it. You hear, just hear what he said. Yeah, we yeah. we wasn't sure that was it. And listen, you, they're lawmakers. What they're proposing usually becomes law. So they got their lawyers and everything. What the hell are you talking about? You didn't. You wasn't sure whether that was legal. So. Uh, you know, they could probably get that done. Uh, uh, the administration get what kind of? They're supposed to get forty billion dollars in lo- in 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 uh uh for uh you know the bill was supposed to, uh, another bill to give them for for the debt relief. Wasn't that number higher than two point two billion? Exactly. It was five in in that in that American Rescue Plan. It was five billion dollars to African American farmers and. Uh, a portion of it was for debt relief. Okay. Okay. It's five now, in this new one, he said it's two point two me two billion dollars to African American farmers. That's a lie. That's a lie. L- 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 let me finish it out, and then I'm gonna play boy. Meantime, there's a lot of money to prevent foreclosures, so it was a good bill, and both Warnock and Booker were very happy with it as it came to black farmers. But uh, you can tell Mr. Boyd will work with them on the moratorium, which is something that should happen. All right, all right, then fine. Now, the the other issue, let, help, me, help my audience understand. Does this now go to the House, and will there be yes. changes there? No, they will not change it. They're going to just, uh, and, and the answer is no. And the House is happy with it, and they will not change it one bit. All right, so, and, and that vote should be taking place relatively soon. Friday, and then the president will sign it. I hope to be at the White House for the signing ceremony.
Okay, so you heard that, Richard. No changes, no nothing. Now, he said that Warnock and Booker was instrumental in making these changes, right? Now, anybody that's been following this sees that when that language was put in that bill, the Biden and the Democrats put it in there for votes. That helped them get elected. But when white farmers, first white farmers challenged it from all over the country, I think 11 states had class action suits by white farmers challenging any money earmarked towards black farmers. You remember that, Richard? Yep. Also, also, the major banks lobbied, first they approached Vilsack and then lobbied Congress saying that they didn't want to give debt relief to African-American farmers. You remember that? Yep. Now, in fact, let me, because uh, I had one of the articles still in front of me. Here, hold it. Here it is. In a joint letter addressed to Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack last month, and this was in, uh, oh boy, what date was this? This was last December. Uh, the Independent uh, Bankers of America, the National Rural Lenders, and American Bankers Association, Three of the major banks across the country that represent over 52,000 banks says that, um, says that blanks should not, uh, that banks should not be suffered a loss of income if the farm loans are paid off early. Banks said that they would lose the interest that they would have earned over the life of these long-term loans. The groups want USDA to compensate banks for any lost income. The groups which represent 52,000 banks added, if USDA does not compensate lenders for such disruption or avoid sudden loan payments, loan payoffs, the likely result would be less access to credit for those seeking USDA guaranteed loans in the future, including socially disadvantaged farmers. This statement is a threat to black farmers, said John Boyd, president of the Black Farmers Association. So wait a minute, Richard. In layman's terms, the banks approached Vilsack and the government and said, no, listen, if we give loan forgiveness to any African-American farmers, uh, we're going to lose the interest payments. And if we're forced to do this, then we ain't going to give loans to them in the future. That's basically what they're saying. I, I, I have to say this, Alex, because, you know, not I ain't good at math and I, I don't know. But it ain't that, that they're not going to get their principal that they, the person borrowed back. It's not that they're going to not get some interest. They're not. They're saying the amount of overtime, the amount of money that, of just interest, not the principal, that they would get would be lessened. And that's what they're willing to stick up those who come in later if they pass this and not give them, um, provide them credit to be able to get a loan. That's gangster. That's gangster. Yeah, well, listen, uh, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, two of their white brethren that's supposed to be of the same party, held this up until this language was changed in it. It's clear that that was the language that they wanted changed. And then they do a campaign with black media, the Griot and probably a few others, and then they do a 
media blitz as far as electronic go on Joe Madison and others and spout this foolishness and figure you urinate in black people's face and they they believe it's rain now after after Schumer went on there then for a couple of days later uh 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 um Madison was you know preaching the how this was beneficial to black people and then a couple of days after that Boyd uh, John Boyd did an impromptu call on his show now listen to what he stated in reference to what Schumer came on that program and stated uh listen clearly to their exchange if I can find this darn um looking around here hold on Here it is. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act reneged on promises made to to black farmers. Let's let's play it, and then I'll get uh, Farmer John Boyd's uh, response. Now I have here something I I need your explaining because uh, John Boyd, as you know, and you uh, and know John Boyd with the black farmers. I do. Uh, very yeah. well. Uh, I'm reading this, and let me just read, and it says the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, Section 22008, repeals the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, which provides black, native, and other Joe, farmers of Joe, color. Yeah. What? what uh, explain what happened. Okay, what we put in the bill, and this was led by our two African-American senators, Cory Booker of New Jersey and Raphael Warnock, we put in $2.2 billion for black farmers. That's going to help them keep their farms. Now, there was in the old bill a, um, a, a proposal that there could be no more foreclosures. There should be a moratorium. I weren't sure that was legal. The administration can probably do that on its own in a good way, and we will hopefully get some of that done. But in the meantime, there's a lot of money to prevent foreclosures. So it was a good bill, and both Warnock and Booker were very happy with it as it came to black farmers. But uh, you can tell Mr. Boyd will work with them on the moratorium, which is something that should happen. Too. All, right, all right, then fine. All right, Mr. Boyd. <laughs> yeah, I heard him. I heard him. But, but and, Joe, uh, I had to come on because uh, after you had him on, we, we got a lot of calls that uh, we heard he was on your show. I didn't hear it, but the farmers was calling from around the country. And I want to clear some things up. All right. The, the language doesn't say anything about black farmers. It doesn't say anything about socially disadvantaged farmers. And it doesn't say anything about farmers of color. The first bill we had in 2016 specifically said just for black farmers. It failed in the farm bill. Then we came back and they said, okay, board, we got to add farmers of color and we think we can get something fast. And we did. We got debt relief for uh, black and other farmers of, 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 of color uh, for $4 billion and, and $1 billion for debt relief and discrimination. Now they come back and repeal that language and they use the words farmers distressed. Uh, farmers distressed, uh, based on my conversation with USDA and, and all the people on the Hill, is any farmer. A uh, white farmer could be a uh, white male farmer, white woman farmer. Uh, uh, anybody could now take part in this measure. So there's no language in there about black farmers. There's nothing about 
uh, processing uh, uh, black farmers' cases uh, first. All of those things are not true. And I, if I remember <clears throat> previous conversations, when you start talking about processing debt relief, it's usually done on the local level, and isn't That's that correct. not isn't that where you where black farmers run into problems? We ran into problems, and the only thing that we had was uh, those letters. So, all of those uh, uh, fourteen thousand farmers who were eligible to take part as right. a, uh, a person of debt relief had already signed their contracts with USDA to get one hundred and twenty percent of our debt relief, one hundred percent to write your, your loan off, and twenty percent to pay the taxes. And not one person received the money. White farmers started suing us, so on and so forth. But this bill repealed repealed debt relief for, for black and other farmers wow. of color. And there's nothing in there, no safety guards that says that everything that they passed in that bill is for the discretion of the secretary. And I would like to listeners to know, under Section 1005 that we were brought in court, 1006, there was no restrictions. And under uh, Section 1006, there was already a billion dollars to pay farmers who have been discriminated against, and the secretary didn't pay one. And now they they want me to believe that all of a sudden USDA is going to start processing these cases first for black farmers. And and uh, we all know what what once they turn the money loose, what happens at at uh, USDA. So we see this Joe as another broken promise to black farmers. So- now, Richard, you hear what he's saying? Now, let me finish this out. He ain't finished yet. Let let me play the rest of it. So why, why, to, to blacks. Yeah, why, uh, uh, why, John Boyd? Why do you think this happened? I mean, what was, what was the? Do you know what the politics was behind it? Well, they, they called me and told me don't say anything. I mean, what kind of stuff is that? Now, whoa, whoa, when, who told you not and to say? Is, wait, no, slow down for a minute. I'm sorry. Democrats on the hill, and, and okay. I want to say this on your show. Yeah, please. Black people in this country got a whole lot of damn choices. The president of the United States. No, wait a minute, Richard. See, see, this is what we're talking about, and we've been talking about this with uh, uh, these black politicians, and we've been mentioning it on the program. Because black politicians always come back to black people and use this excuse, oh, I can't do nothing if I'm in state office. I can't do nothing because I'm fighting against Republicans and this, that, and the other. Then if you can't do anything, then be a town crier. Let the people know exactly what's going on. But did you hear what John Boyd just said? That he was told not to say anything. You heard him, Richard. Yeah. Now, now, wait a minute. You know that white politicians didn't come to Boyd and tell him not to say anything. Who do you think told him not to say anything? Don't say nothing. Your people going to get screwed. Farmers that have this land has been in their family for generations possibly lose their, and not possibly, some of them will lose their land and don't say anything. These people are dangerous, Richard, period. We already know these white folks don't have your best interests at heart. But these black folks that sit in these positions are dangerous to other black people. They are. What you call say a traitor to your race. Let me let me finish let me finish it out. Well, they, they called me and told me don't say anything. I mean, what kind of- why uh, uh, why John Boyd? Why do you think this happened? I mean, what was, what was the? Do you know what the politics was behind it? 
what it, they called me and told me don't say anything. I mean, what kind of stuff is that? Now, whoa, I don't whoa, have wait, any choice. Who told you not and to say? Is, wait, no, slow down for a minute. Certain I'm Democrats on the Hill, and, okay. and I want to say this on your show. Yeah, please. Black people in this country got a whole lot of damn choices. The president of the United States last July, Joe, at the White House, at he said, well, board, we need to have a formal meeting to see what we could do to, to work out some of these problems that black farmers are having. I said, yes, I want to have the meeting. He he told me that uh, his person, uh, the former congressman from Louisiana, would help set this meeting up. No meeting happened, so the, he went back on his word on the meeting. And then they put this surprise language in there sometime at midnight. You know, some strange things happen at midnight. We all know what happened at midnight. But they put this, this weak language in there that waters down everything and opens it up for white farmers. It opens it up for white farmers to get the money under the word distressed, and it opens it up for any any person that who's been discriminated against. So it's not identified for, for black farmers as it was in the past. So we're still in court, and I think that this was a, a bad deal. Uh, this was a, a, a another empty promise, like 40 acres and a mule. We promised uh, black farmers $4 billion, and we take it back. I've never seen a president repeal his own language to help black people in this country. Uh, anything for blacks, we always, for some reason, we can't get it in this country. And I, I want to keep going back to that. Forty acres and a mule, you know, you can get it, but you can't get it. Uh, debt relief for $4 billion after, for over 30-plus years, we finally get it done. And then they repeal it. Then they repeal it. And he comes on your show and right. sells it like it's a happy deal for us. Uh, now, uh, there's let, no language in there about foreclosures. Now, uh, let, not, let me not ask. A word about it. Let me. I'm sorry, to interrupt. Let me ask this. Uh, he also said that uh, Cory Booker and Warnock were, yeah. in essence, pleased with this. Have you talked to them? I haven't talked to him. I talked to his deputy chief of staff a day before this language came out, Senator Warnock, and they didn't mention one word to me about this language. Not one word, because I never would have agreed to the wordings of that language. I've read the bill 50 times. And, and again, Joe, not one word in there about black farmers, not one word in there about farmers of color, uh, anything like that. It's, it's not there. It's not money for black farmers, like the senator said on your show. And I challenge anybody to read that language and show me one word in there where it says black farmers are going to have their cases heard uh, first or anything like that. <laughs> you hear that, Richard? Yeah. You know what, uh, Elliot? I have to say this. I always say I have to say. I, I, I have to go back to the, and I don't remember the brother. Remember he was given the story when he was sitting outside of the, um, the USDA, US, what is it, USDA's office, and he was going to talk about getting, you know, he went, he needed to, to, wanted to get, um, a check for, um, you know, to, for, I guess it was, a relief. That was John Boyd that told us that, Richard. Yeah. And, and the and the and the uh, and the uh, and the white person that came into the office went right into it. He handed him a check, and he said, "You know, you come back in a couple months, and we'll have some more." And I think he said he handed him two checks and told him, "Come back, we got another one for you." Right. And told them they ain't have nothing for him. That's that's. When he said about, um, you know, when the money gets released, it goes to guys like that who get to determine now. And now that, as he said, the language not being specific, it could be anybody. 
But in the end, they get to decide. Yeah, and then he he put black folks, black faces up there, and if they want to be willing participants or willing stooges, then they take the brunt of it. Cory Booker and Warnock, they was behind this bill. Not Manchin and Cinema, or not some of his other white brethren, because you have white farmers all over this country in 11 states that filed federal lawsuits to block that money. You had banks, major banks, that said, we don't want to give debt relief to black farmers. So that language was changed. Now they don't give it to black farmers. But he came on there and lied on that man's program. And being that the man's not educated on the issues, I don't care whether it was Joe Madison or whoever, you're not educated on these issues, you let that man come on in and talk a bunch of crap. And then got to look like a fool when somebody comes on your program and got to straighten you out. But he gets paid the big bucks. He gets paid the big bucks so he can misinform black people. That's what the case is. And not be an advocate for. Um, and that's what that's what communication. That's what the black communication system has to be. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's supposed to be about. Let's grab a couple of these calls before we wind it up, Richard. Let's go to two six seven two six seven. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 215. 215. Hey, Brother Ellie and Brother Richard, how you doing? Yes, sir. This show tonight, Brother Ellie and Richard, with your guest, Brother Patrick, and the, and the, and the, and the other uh, brother she had on tonight. Good guest with the situation in Mississippi with the Emmett Till case and, and, and everything, and, and, and of course with the black farmers. You know, Brother Ellie, when I heard the clip you played by Mr. Boyd, and he was on Madison's show, and, and Schumer's comments, like I always say, uh, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, and for the time that we can listen to audience, if this wasn't so tragic, it'd be almost laughable. It'd be almost funny. I mean, like you said, they 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 they, they urinate in black folks' face and tell you it's raining. I mean, I mean, Joe Madison, he he's not a dumb man. He, he's a uncle. He's a coon, but he's not stupid. For him to sit there, like you say, Elliot. And and and, and 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 purposely mislead black people. That's what they're doing. They, they did a purposely redirect, you know, uh, black people. And so, because he he not stupid. He heard, he know exactly what Schumer said, and knew damn well in that bill there was nothing there about black farmers. He knew that stuff was watered down and language taken out. But he gonna get on there and put that BS over black people anyway. You know, and and when Mr. Boyd came on there and straightened them out. You know, he he looks he looks just like the idiot that he is. You know, but again, it was done on purpose because that's what. See, this, see, this is what our people got to understand. Uh, like people like Joe Madison, Sharpton, all of them. You know, they 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 they, they definitely got to they out the, the white establishment. They, they they don't mind them being put out there, so called leaders or, or vanguards in the community, because they know they're not going to leave black people no damn where. They're going to stay. They, they, they all it is for to make black people feel comfortable in their oppression. You know what I mean? You know, and, and at the same time, they getting rich 
while our people are struggling. Like Mr. Farrakhan said on that clip you played, you know, our people are going to sell these down while three of us get rich. And, and, and that's what has happened. Jesse Jackson, Sharpton, them cats have got big, big millionaires, man. You know, Madison making a, a, a big a big dollar over there at that station. But at the mass of our people are down. Madison's children and grandchildren going to the best private schools probably more than likely, just like Jesse's and Al's grandchildren or whatever like that. But our people going down. So they purposely there. But see, again, like you told Brother Joe that time, it's not that our people are stupid, but you, when our people get the wrong information, you know, we, that's what's going to happen. Because so many of our, like I said, I, I told you Richard before, so many of our people in this country are unfortunately politically ignorant. Don't mean they dumb. It is politically ignorant means you don't know. If I don't know a, uh, a poison snake behind me and I get bit, well, you can't say I'm stupid. I just know the snake was behind me. Now, if I know the snake was behind me and I step purposely at the, in the state's direction, I deserve to get back because I'm stupid. So our people just not, they just don't have the right information, and these Negroes are constantly male and female in that Democrat Party and, and, and their lackeys like Sharpton and, 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 and Joe Madison and the Ilk, they purposely are there for the mislead black people, and it's no getting around it. We've got to understand that and, face it and understand that clearly. And you notice what Mr. Boyd said, how he said that 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 so that former congressman from Louisiana, you know the brother, what's his name? Uh, that was that that, that that was part. He left he left Biden's administration a, a while ago. Uh, the, well, we know I'm talking about Elliot. He he was the one that's supposed to be Richmond. Richmond. He was the one that's supposed to vote in that meet with the boy and Biden. You see that never happened. Yeah. And I'm glad. And I'm glad the boy called him out. See, see, like I said, these people they, they play games with our people, man. They, 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 it's a shame that our people are so misinformed. Like, 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 like our ancestor Dick Gregory said, "If black folks got the right information, they'll move accordingly and stuff." Because when you know better, you're supposed to do better. It's like the old saying: "If I, I didn't act as a child, as a boy, as a child." And, and as a boy, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a child. I'm a man now, so I put childish and, and boyish things away. But unfortunately, for so many of our people, man, we just don't have the right information, man. You can, uh, you, if y'all doubt what I say, go all across America and talk to black folk and, this, and stuff. You'll find, and these are good black folks that's trying to make the best they can in a dire situation. You talk to these black folks, they're hot in the right place, and, and they mean well, some of them, but they got the wrong information. Some of them, because of this black misleadership coming from the Sharptons and the, and the, and the Cedric Richmonds and the Clyborns and, 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 that, and, the, and, the, and the Corey Bookers and that ilk, they actually think that that these people offer a ray of hope in the, in, the, in the Democrat Party. So all you have to do with them is constantly put the to put the white racist Republicans out there as the boogeyman and stuff. So and no matter how much your black farmers getting screwed by just the Democrat Party, and then they put black elected officials that look like you, and they out there. You know, tighten the scooter you're behind, you know, that our people go for it because they think they, they already said that white people, and, and don't get me wrong, they are some despicable people. I'm not denying it at all. These racist Republican bigots and stuff over there don't have no love for black people. There's no question about that. But neither do the white ones in the Democrat Party, as Brother Malcolm was saying. You know, so we caught between a damn rock and a hard place, you know what I mean? And, and, and all these niggas do is keep black people with, with, with this white racist Republican boogeyman and stuff while these Democrats constantly stealing black people. Right? Like you take right here in Philadelphia. It's a disgrace, uh, Brother Ellen and Richard, that you know 
and the town from the Wake and List audience need to know this. Here in Philadelphia, when black people are getting put out of their homes over there in University City, this is happening under a, a predominantly black city council. A predominantly, think about the hell in which let that marinate in your brain for a second. A predominantly black city council led by a black city council president, you know. And yet black folks is being put out of their homes and that house nigga are not doing a damn thing to stop it or speak out on it or nothing. And and and, and, and our so called congressman who always on that to rest the radio show running his mouth about Trump, he's solid now. He they can't even get him on the radio show now. You know, uh, <laughs> only he'll hear come on the one the weekend we can talk to exhibitors because the host is not she's a uh, airhead. She's not gonna challenge him and stuff like that or nothing. So if he don't even want to come on the show during the week that he was a, a, a frequent guest on because because he's on a hot seat now. So he's staying away from that right now. I mean I mean these niggas play games with our people and, and correct me if I'm wrong, brother Ellen, brother Richard, didn't Brother Patrick say that it's a disgrace that that, that that in that county down in Mississippi that's predominantly black, they, you, you couldn't get them Negroes to, to, to file charges against Kyle and Brian Dunham. Is that true, what he said? Well, the, the grand jury. I mean, the grand jury. Yeah, right? the, the 18 but, members who, uh, according to the, the, the district attorney down there, 18 members, 18 of the 22 members was black. I know, and they, 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 but that says it all. I mean, I mean, what kind of Negroes is that, man? Here you got within your power to bring this white piece of garbage to justice, or at least attempt to bring her to justice, and you and you vote against that. I mean, what kind of? I don't give a damn what anyone says on it. On, I mean, I know I ain't got to say that about you, Rex. I know which how y'all. I'm just using. I'm just picking a pejorative set. Ain't nobody on this show or anybody else going to tell me if there was some 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 white Jews and some. Some old um, white Nazi guy or whatever, or even some black guy who he thought was an anti-Semite. If he was here participating in a brutal murder and abduction of a Jewish boy or woman, you ain't going to tell me I go to hell and back and, and stand by what I'm saying. You're not going to tell me that them Negroes wouldn't have voted to, 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 to bring that, that arrest warrant against this individual. They wouldn't give a damn, Ellen, if this person was 80 years old, 90 years old. They wouldn't care if it was some white Jewish boy or girl was the victim of such a horrific crime. You understand what I'm saying? Well, they only had to be Jewish. If they were white, they would they would right. go after you. I agree with that. I'm just saying Jewish because that's what seemed to get our people so hard. But I get your point, Ellie. You're absolutely right. I agree with that. White. That's that's true. You know. But I mean, but you, brother Ellie. I mean, it's a disgrace. You can't you can't you can't find it within your so-called humanity and decency to bring some kind of form of justice to Emmett Till's family. No, it's not going to bring Emmett back. Of course not. But, it, but, it, but hopefully, but, but, but getting this white skank to justice will, will somehow give Emmett Till's mother, the late uh, uh, Mama Till Mosley, at least give her spirit some rest and stuff, man. You know, since she made transition, she's her ancestor now. It will at least give her spirit some kind of rest, man. But these niggas can't, you understand what I'm saying? They can't even find it with themselves to do that. That's why I say these niggas are a disgrace, man. I mean, what kind of black person are you, man? That you got it within your power to bring this skank to justice and you don't do nothing. You know, that's what Brother Patrick was alluding to when y'all had him on your show a few minutes, uh, I mean, earlier tonight, man. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sin and a shame unto the creator, man. It's, a, it's really a sin and a shame. A bunch of handkerchief head, boot-licking house Negroes. It's almost reminiscent, Elliot, of that Negro down in Kentucky, you know, that, that, that handkerchief head, uh, 
uh, attorney general down there, Cameron and stuff from Kentucky, that refused to, he, he, he made sure he, he, he fixed the grand jury so he couldn't bring charge against those white cops that killed Breonna Taylor, you know what I mean? I mean, so everything makes those boys face, man. As, as the big brother Rob would say, make you sick to your stomach. They sickening Negroes, man. Make you want to poop. Sad. I mean, you stop to think about it, Ellie. We strip away all the layers and all the whatever. It's, it's a damn, it's a crying out damn shame, man. It really is to have all those black people in that county and they can't indict that skank for, and bring out the justice, man. Come on, man. I don't give a damn about well, a white ass being, being 80, 80 years old, 85. I don't give a damn. Well, see, Joe, but they, they rely on black folks being forgiven. And, and it's based off of the European type of Christianity that our people was taught in slavery. That's the reality. I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's the reality. Because if you look at, wait, wait a minute, hold on a second. If you look at it, nobody else subscribes to that. If you have done a wrong, then you need to be brought to justice. Now, even if you look at the, if you're just looking at and using the Bible, the, the, the Bible says if a man did something wrong and he repent, Forgive him. These white folks mm-hmm. don't even repent for what they do. And black exactly. folks is running out forgiving them, and they don't even say anything about any repentance. Uh, exactly. d- d- uh, d- do things to, to show that they want it, to, that they are repentful. They don't even exactly. repent. Black folks just exactly. run out and forgive them. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. No, that's not. That's right. But because that's their that's that brainwashing, that self-hatred and brainwashing. Like when, when Dylan Roof shot out people at the church, you had some of those family members Say they forget that devil, but you. But, but, but you also I didn't hear him say that he repented for what he did. He sure did. He said he'll do, he'll do it again. He, didn't, he he made it clear. He said he'll do it again. He said he'll regret it. But but, but don't let but let us not be fooled. You had some of those black families say the hell no. I know that one brother or, or and stuff there whose family member got killed. He said I want to see that bastard rot in hell. So all my people not brainwashed like that and stupid like that. But that's but, but again, the niggas that saying that they forget them white folks may do these horrific crimes. That's only reserved for white people. Because like I say, some of them same Negroes, Ellie, I mean, we, might, we, we talking family now. We can talk oh, straight to straight. Some of them Negroes right now, they ain't speaking to a cousin, for, ain't spoken to a cousin probably for the last 30 or 40 years because they mad about some little stuff that happened in the family. But they can sit there and, and let, the, let the words come out their mouth about how they forget that devil after he done shot and brutally murdered their family member. Man, come on with that nonsense, man. So that, that's that white Christianity brainwashing of a white Christianity. It's not even true Christianity because, like you said, if it was scriptural, you wouldn't even be talking no crazy stuff like that. But that's, that stuff is only reserved for white people. That's why, like I say, some niggas, like you said, down in Mississippi, you, your call is breaking up. You're breaking up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but I'll close with this. Like I said, them niggas wouldn't be, wouldn't be as forgiven if they had been, uh, like I said, a, a, a white man, a white woman, Jewish white man, a white woman, just a white person, period. They wouldn't be, that forgiven wouldn't come out their mouth. They, 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 they'll tell you, they wouldn't care if that sucker was 80, 90, they'd bring the justice. Look, look how the system went after Bill Cosby. That man blind and stuff like that, they still dragged him out. And, and something happened 20-something years ago and put him in jail for three years. And, and, and would still be there if it wasn't for his lawyers fighting so hard to get him out. So these devils don't, don't, don't have no forgiveness when it comes to black people. That stuff is only reserved for white folks. And, and some of them brainwashed niggas in Mississippi, they, unfortunately, they abhor to that kind of mindset, man. It, it's, it's like it's just a sin and a shame to the creator, man. Sad, man. You know? But anyway, I'll, 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 thanks for letting me express myself, man. Put me on mute, and I'll you know, listen for the remainder of the show.
Thanks for your contribution. Uh, you're welcome. Richard? Yes, 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 yes. Let me, uh, if you got a couple minutes, Richard, let me share this this uh, article with you because it kind of it kind of coincides with what we did with the the uh, the activists up there in Buffalo when the story came out about the uh, uh, the guy that went in there and shot uh, people in that store and he was a part of a group and it was a retired agents or agent that was a part of the group you remember that Richard let me let me share this article. This came from a published report a couple of days ago. And I want our people to understand if they don't understand. A lot of our listening audience do, but some of our people don't. When Joe Madison asked Boy, why did they do that? You remember when he asked him why did they change the language? Right. Well, uh, we live in a racist society. Now, if you remember Kamala Harris and Tim Scott, both of them on the separate sides of the aisle didn't agree that this society was racist. You remember that, Richard? Right. But uh, uh, what's the name? Joe Madison don't have to ask why did they do this. We live in a racist society. And according to John Boyd, they don't want black folks to have anything. But let me, let me, let me read this, Richard. Check this out. Um, Ever since HBCUs received bomb threats on January the 4th, black leaders have been hoping the FBI and the Biden administration would find and punish those responsible. As we speak, more than one-third of black colleges have received calls compromised by racial slurs and threats. Even though the administration launched an investigation in conjunction with the FBI after 18 schools were targeted, uh, many officials and students feel forgotten. Politico notes that six months later, they have been they have been radio silence, no arrests, no motives announced, or suspects named, and HBCU presidents are frustrated with the lack of urgency. I'm frustrated," says Carmen Walters, president of T- Tukalo College in Mississippi at a gathering of HBCU presidents at Charlie Palmer's Steakhouse in D.C. In August, I'm very angry that nobody has been brought to justice and there has been no conversation about the investigation at all. A collection of advocacy groups got together to push Biden administration to make funds available to enhance safety. Even though no bombs were found, the president of Kaffelin, Kaffelin University in South Carolina, Dewan Warmack, says that the threats negatively impacted students who felt the campus was unsafe for them. The Biden administration opened an application process for schools to receive grants to support students' mental health and campus security in the wake of these threats. Uh, why do we have to apply for grants when you know uh, we've had bomb threats. You know, I had these experiences and expenses, Walter said. You're telling me, okay, you need to reinforce your buildings. You need to get a new sound system. You need to get a new alarm system. Do all these things, and there's no dollars to do that. I think this is a complete joke, she says. 
I think the grant process was just a way to say, okay, here's a bone. Stop crying. Stop complaining. Even though the bomb threats have been stopped for now, FBI Executive Assistant Director of Intelligence Ryan T. Young told the House Oversight Committee that other forms of threats, such as graffiti and cyber attacks, is still ongoing. I've heard the serious nature of the threats. I've heard the students, faculty, administration, and staff called out by their names. Derogatory terminology, Murray says. It's hard to imagine that the response would have been different if the schools in question were predominantly white. As far as Walters, she agrees 100% with, uh, with, uh, as noted by Politico. So, Richard, wait a minute. All of these threats, bomb threats, they said two-thirds of black colleges have received some type of threats. And according to this published report, and let me read that again so it'll sink in. Uh, wait a minute. I just, uh, uh, boy, I can't even find it now. Um, yeah, here it is. Six months later, there have been radio silence, no arrests, no motives announced, no suspects named. And HBO presidents are frustrated with the lack of urgency. You see that? Yep. So it's just like the Buffalo shooting. When this guy was a part, first they said he was a lone wolf. And that President Biden in his address that two days or a day after that, those murders, said that this white boy was a lone wolf. Come to find out he wasn't. And a retired agent was a part of the group. Nothing. Radio silence. So that goes in the same bag with this. Right. It's letting us know what we up against as a people. And your leadership that's supposed to be your watchman is not saying anything. They're not demanding justice for black people. Or, or, or informing what we need to do to be, um, to protect ourselves based off of where they stand. Exactly. I just want to throw that out there. It's, it's uh, something that we can put in our, uh, our mental roller deck, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's serious. Uh, Richard, uh, before we leave this evening, just want to give the lineup on time for an awakening media, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and guest on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on Monday evenings from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central would host Dr. Maria Combine and Dr. Kamal Combine. And 9 to 10, the first and third Mondays of the month, Conversation Reparations and COBRA's program. On Tuesday, 8 to 10, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the West Georgia Cooperative Black Farmers Program from 8 to 9. And from 9 to 10, the Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad. On Thursday from 8 to 9, Mississippi on the move with host uh, Brother Patrick Lumumba and, and probably other special guests. On Friday, Time for an Awakening is back from 8 until, and on Saturdays from 7 to 9, the elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. 
lively discussion as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. Children playing after school They seem to be so unaware I know, I know Children.